Scene four of No Surrender by Constance Elizabeth Maud. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Scene four in the courtyard. It was a cold and rainy day towards the end of June. In the open courtyard of the London police station, a crowd of prisoners awaited their turn to be called before the magistrate. The few cells, where a bench was to be found, were filled to overflowing, and for the rest there was no option but to stand or to sit on the damp ground. A few privileged persons, officials of the Women's Social and Political Union, and the Women's Freedom League, here and there a lawyer, and a crowd of policemen, mingled with the groups of standing prisoners, most of whom had been there already many hours. The frank, sturdy, independent little figures of some thirty women in the mill shawl and clogs of the textile workers contrasted strangely with their environment. The sordid, degrading atmosphere of a police court was the last place where one would have expected to meet these trim, well-clad, capable-looking women. The pleasant north-country speech came like a whiff of fresh, wholesome air. The rest of the prisoners eyed them curiously, and with an instinctive antagonism and resentment, at finding themselves cheek by jowl with those who bore no hallmark of the true jailbird. They were interlopers, and intruders, to these habitués, for the spirit of inclusiveness is not limited to the smart set, or the four hundred. Two bedraggled, ill-clad women, each carrying in their arms a puny, blighted-looking infant, stood within earshot of Jenny and her friend Mrs. Keziah Toppin, their attention riveted. Mrs. Toppin leaned wearily against the unresponsive wall. "'Queer how tired you do get cooped up in this yard,' she remarked to Jenny. "'We've been here but three hours, and I'm tireder nor I should be after ten in the mill.' "'Lean up against me, Miss Toppin,' said Jenny, in her cheery tones. "'I'm not tired. I reckon it's just the suspense you're feeling. Your mind's not easy, fear we shan't get into prison after all.' Policemen A, B, C, 93, and D.E.F. 82, the captors, respectively, of Jenny and her friend, exchanged a look, a fleeting shadow of a grin, without permitting the wooden expression of their countenances to relax. D.E.F., who had distinguished himself by arresting Mrs. Toppin, and thereby earning forever after an unsuspected immortality in the Toppin family, observed grimly from the height of his six-foot-two, you can make your minds easy on that score. I'll see as you get in right enough. Not as I'm wantin' more'n a week, said Mrs. Toppin, so unimpressed by the majesty of the law, she might have been confiding her wishes to a neighbour over a cup of tea. I can't leave me looms no longer. The six-foot-two looked a yard above her head, vouchsafing no reply, but Jenny's policeman, of a more human and less dignified type of official, rejoined waggishly, We'll have to mention that to the magistrate, I, Bill. Bill, remaining still inaccessible to the trivial remarks around him, the other turned to Jenny with pleasant affability, and added for her special information, You see, the magistrate, he likes to give satisfaction to all parties, he does. Sure you ladies both really want a week now. Well, you see, it's this way, said Jenny, answering to his mood. We'd be kind o' downcast to come all this way and suffer not, so to speak, for our glorious cause. Suffer not, exclaimed Mrs. Toppin. 
drawing her shawl more closely round her as a nipping little shower struck them sharply in the face. Call this year a bean feast. Jenny laughed and pressed closely against the wall for shelter. Ay, but think of all we've seen these two days. Could fill a book with it, we could. First there were the fine send-off they gave us at Chesterpool, not to mention the saloon train to London and the great fine station of Euston. Then London, this wonderful London, Westminster Abbey, Trafalgar Square, and the fountains. Never'll I forget that procession we made down the miles and miles of streets, and the crowd following and cheering the clogs and shawls, and the welcome we got from our leaders, and then the meeting at Claxton Hall with the sea o' faces looking up at you, hundreds and hundreds of smiling and friendly. Jenny paused and looked at her friend. That welcome, with the sense it brought to the North Country girl, of being one of a great united sisterhood, an army of mothers, sisters, wives, and daughters, bound together for the noblest of all human achievements, the freeing of the human being from bondage, the breaking down of false barriers, the loosening of chains, the letting in of the light, for this is what the raising of women means to the race, and for the first time, Jenny had realized it in all its fullness. Keziah Toppin blinked her trusty brown eyes and gave a suspicious little sniff as she answered, Ay, ay, but it makes me feel kind o' weepy and soft to think of't. It does that, agreed Jenny, but it makes you feel ready to go through a with just anything, sort of warm and strong and glorious inside. Never, so long as I live, shall I forget that meetin' and the words spoke by our leaders. It made you proud to think you was a woman. You be forgettin' the glorious time as these ere bobbies give us when we got outside that all, Mrs. Toppin replied, as her six-foot-two, who had for the moment turned his attention elsewhere, now fixed it again on the atmosphere above her head. Bangin' you're about as if you was wedded to un. I've got this mun's fingers written in black and blue on my arm this minute. This last personal remark, though made with the utmost good humour, was too much for police officer D.E.F. 82. If you'd had your deserts, you'd a got a deal more than that, you old. Here he uttered in a singularly offensive manner the name of an entirely harmless and useful domestic quadruped, prefixed by sundry strange and inappropriate adjectives. Then, turning his back, he took a few paces in the opposite direction. Mrs. Toppin's clear accents could not fail, however, to reach his somewhat protruding ears. That young man needs a good lump of soap in his mouth to cleanse it. It was pronounced in the severe judicial tones of a schoolmistress dealing with the naughty boy of the class. Police officer A.B.C., being left to uphold the falling dignity of the force, took up the gauntlet for his discomfited mate. We've got to do our duty— however unpleasant you must remember missus if you don't obey orders you've got to suffer the consequences oh i'm not for complaining returned mrs toppin i was only passing the remark to my friend as some of you did leave your finger marks on us and it ain't exactly a bank holiday treat this here suffrage business as some of the papers make out right you are miss toppin cried a cheery voice and a comely grey-haired woman advanced and greeted her from the crowd she, too, wore the shawl and clogs, and they began comparing notes as to recent experiences. Meanwhile, Jenny's policeman, after regarding her with an expression of mixed approval and puzzlement, which replaced the habitual wooden reserve, remarked thoughtfully, 
beats me what you want putting your heads into choky so deliberate like we want the vote jenny answered promptly want it more than ever you men wanted it and we've got to fight for it just as you men had to fight for it bless you i never fought for it and never would neither said he jenny's eyes flashed indignantly but your forebears fought and suffered to win the freedom you enjoy i and some of them died to win it for you you'd know fast enough if you hadn't got it your wages your hours your pensions every blessed thing in life you're glad you've got has come to you because of that vote of yours every trace of the wooden expression had vanished from the face of a b c as he listened after a pause he observed cautiously come to think of it i suppose there be some truth in what you say miss i don't say neither as you oughtn't to ave your vote you women but what i do say is here he felt on firm ground ask for it quiet don't go breakin winders and breakin the law and resistin the purlies no good can come o that we've been askin for it quiet thousands and thousands of us in thousands of petitions to parliament these sixty years and more said jenny he looked at her critically from her sturdy wooden clogs to the crown of her neat dark brown head his eyes twinkled as he said slowly you don't look it miss you've wore remarkably well his glance returned to the iron-bound clogs what do you have them queer shoes on for he inquired the clogs why kicking of course jenny's tone was quite serious see how good and strong they're made she put forward a foot for his inspection kickin he regarded her suspiciously who the pearlies why no bless you jenny reassured him with a pleasant smile we wouldn't hurt you pearlies why ever should we poor dear innocents you can't give us the vote clogs be for those who's keepin from us our due the vote we pay for in taxes same as you men ain't that plain justice sounds pretty fair he allowed but it ain't a bit o good you women usin violence he admonished it's just knockin your eds against a stone wall stone walls have been known to fall when heads go the right way to work the walls of jericho fell down because they blew trumpets loud enough to shake the foundations we women have got out the trumpets now and the walls of parliament's goin to fall you'd better come and blow with us and help us win our vote just ark at er said the pale-faced woman near to her neighbour she's one of them suffragettes that's what she is and look at her shoes answered the red face i never see such a bold face ussy a talkin to the copper as if she was one of them district visitors whatever do them suffragettes want i never could make at said pale-face as she wearily changed her puny burden from one thin arm to the other they wants to down the men answered the other bitterly and raise their cells the ussies i'd like to ave the horse-whippin of em i would she added savagely a surly-looking man standing by turned a resentful look on jenny and her group ho oh, they'd like to down the men would they he observed between his teeth i'd like to learn em he muttered imprecations in which the whole female sex were included the policeman whose special charge he was looked down upon him reprovingly why they ain't hurt you tidy bodies they look to me oh i knows that sort retorted the man bitterly a damned teetotal preachin lot ain't i got one at ome like a millstone round my neck i should have thought a drinkin wife 
"'I'd have been more of a millstone than a teetotaler,' observed the policeman grimly. Jenny, quite oblivious of the remarks and attention of her neighbours, continued earnestly to discuss the suffrage with her policeman. In reply to his admonition, so often to be heard on the lips of the hard-pressed, that women should attend to their own business, Jenny answered, "'Just what we're doin'. That's why we're out now, attendin' to our own business. Tryin' to make the home a better place for the children. Boys as well as girls, mind you. I'd like her to have my husband for a week. He'd learn her a business better than that air coppers a doin'. "'remarked Paleface bitterly, with a dim idea of finding solace for her own woes "'by dragging down another into the same mire. "'Jail's a deal too good for em, her friend responded in the same perverse spirit. "'We had some of em come down our way, Lars Week, "'holdin' a meetin' on the street corner, but I paid no heed to em, "'continued Paleface, with conscious sense of superiority, "'in having avoided the temptation to associate with such questionable characters.' "'They'll get a rotten egg in the eye when they comes my way,' threatened Redface, in a voice that carried. "'There's some as says they're a-trying to make things better for us women,' ventured Paleface, after a pause. "'But, lor, I don't believe em she added drearily. "'Loikely tale,' rejoined the other contemptuously. "'It's their cells they're pushin'. I tell you, wantin' to rule over the land. Why, some of them wears trousers. Shameless ussies!' "'Not females at all, they ain't. "'The coppers have nabbed a goodish few of them this time. "'Must be a couple of dozen of them in here, with them kicking shoes on.' "'Good job, too,' began Redface. "'But at this point a voice called out, "'Smail and borrow!' "'Upon which the policeman, towering like an impending fate above the two women, "'descended promptly and marched them off, human bundles and all, "'into the adjoining police court.' Jenny threw after them a look of pity as her eyes rested on the bundles, so early making their entrance on this sordid stage. The voice of ABC 93 recalled her to the unfinished argument. "'You women are wonderful plausible, but there's mostly a flaw somewhere. Come to look close at it.' "'Flaw!' cried Jenny. "'Aye, there's a flaw, sure, but it's in the arguments of those that's against us.' "'Look, Jenny,' said Mrs. Toppin, hurrying to her side. She pointed to a window giving on to the courtyard, where several women were passing, and as they did so, each in turn held up her fingers to those below. "'There goes some of our women,' she cried excitedly. "'Can you see how many fingers they hold up? It's to tell how many weeks they've got.' Two women in the North Country shawl paused at the window and held up both hands, with but four fingers down. Six weeks!' cried Jenny in dismay. Six weeks!' echoed her friend. "'Lor, whatever for?' she demanded of those around her. The question was answered by a gentleman, who hurried up to the group at this moment. He was a barrister, a friend of the suffragettes, and had just come out of the court. "'Your turn may come next,' he addressed Mrs. Toppin and Jenny. "'Just a word of warning. The magistrate is getting nasty, I fear. He is giving six weeks to second offenders.' "'We must be careful not to irritate him needlessly. "'Don't speak at all till he asks you "'if you have anything to say in your defence, "'and then merely say no. "'Do you see?' "'Ain't we got to say why we come to London "'and why we was took up?' "'inquired Mrs. Toppin, her face falling. "'No, no, on no account,' he answered. "'Believe me, it's better not to speak at all. "'I'm a lawyer, and am giving you sound advice, I assure you.' 
it do seem queer kind of justice don't it said mrs toppin oh but law and justice are i am sorry to say two totally different things this magistrate is very hard on all our women and he is inclined to be irritable this morning the first three got a fortnight the next three weeks and these last two six weeks because the policeman said they hit him over the head with an umbrella they declared they didn't possess such an article but there you are the word of the policeman is always taken without question he hurried on to another group with his urgent warning while keziah toppin turned a dismal face to jenny here's a pretty go i can't be affordin six weeks all her day nor three neither we'll both be losin our jobs if we don't look out jenny don't let's meet trouble half way said the philosophic young person whatever comes we'll get through it somehow mrs toppin so hearten up why i never her whole face suddenly became illuminated if there isn't miss o'neill waving her hand and threading a difficult way through the closely packed crowd came mary o'neill i'm dreadfully late she cried shaking hands warmly with jenny and her friend i thought i'd never get here what a lot of you i feel so ashamed i'm not one it's very odd she lowered her voice the police simply would not arrest either me or mrs cobb yesterday they seemed to have some secret understanding between them for twice we were actually in the claws of the law then lo and behold our captors changed their minds and advised us in a fatherly way to go home she turned to a b c ninety three i should like to know officer why none of you seemed to want me or my friend over there mrs cobb yesterday never mind how much we opposed you a b c ninety three turned to another six foot of majestic mien standing near peculiar ain't it bob the young lady says we didn't seem to fancy her nor a friend mrs cobb over there yesterday eh the eyes of the policeman appealed to took on a look of peculiar intelligence as he drew in the corners and gave an almost imperceptible wink as he made answer solemnly you see miss we've orders to distinguish betwixt the ardent street brawler and the armless lunatic if you'll excuse me being so plain-spoken the answer appeared to delight his confrere but mary o'neill suppressing an inclination to smile persisted i can hardly take that as a satisfactory explanation for i'm not aware that either of these classes of person were out yesterday in parliament square i saw none and i see none here now do you i see em thick as bees in a hive both lots he answered promptly then you should really consult an oculist mary's voice assumed a tone of gentle solicitude your eyes must be in much the same serious condition as those of the man who mistook his wife's face for a target the other day and fired a full charge into it she turned to jenny's policeman do you see any clearer than he does oh it's not for me to contradict the ladies he replied gallantly this world would be a dull place without em and i don't mind tellin you miss he spoke almost confidentially so quickly had jenny's ploughing and sowing already borne fruit i was glad as my mother couldn't see me at that job yesterday but duty is duty you know he stiffened up again and there it is and that's precisely why we are here struck in jenny yes said mary duty england expects it of every man but dislikes finding it in the women but no surrender is our motto and our highest duty too now please will you answer my question why was i not arrested 
duty again miss before pleasure replied a b c ninety three with solemn deference well mrs toppin and me are thankful you're not arrested said jenny for we'll be needin your help maybe outside ay it seems we may get more'n two weeks said mrs toppin depends on the old gentleman in there she jerked her head expressively towards the court i'm fearin for my looms there's a score ready to take them on if the boss sacks me and mine too added jenny seriously if we should get more than a fortnight will you explain to mother how it is miss o'neill of course i will jenny but more than a fortnight oh he can't why every one says a week is the ordinary sentence even for disorderly and drunken people jenny repeated what the lawyer friend of the women's social and political union had told them and his warning mary looked grave and promised to interview the manager of the mill in case of necessity in reply as to whether there was anything she could do for mrs toppin's small family in her absence mary's intention being to remain up north two or three weeks longer that careful mother answered tell them children please miss to mind miss grimshaw or i'll smack em when i come home and you might if it's not troublin you too much she added in the same voice snip off a bit o johnny's hair and send it me in an envelope i've got the other five ere she pointed to the region of her heart in my purse but johnny e was out when i did the others and i disremembered him later mary promised faithfully to snip a lock from johnny's carroty little bullet head and send it to his mother if the prison authorities permitted the time was getting short for last words the shawls and clogs were diminishing though the courtyard was still crowded and many were so weary with the long hours of waiting they had collapsed on the damp ground seated back to back where they could not get near the wall for support a young girl hurried up to jenny and mrs toppin with a tray of sandwiches and cups of coffee she wore a well-cut tailor dress and had a face which might have been the original of carlo dolci's saint cecilia she urged them to take plenty of food you must stoke up for the future she said why you ladies do regular spoil us you do said keziah toppin as the girl insisted on her having a second cup there won't be much spoilin in holloway i fear and you may have hours to wait in the cells up there before black maria comes for you she answered black maria always sounds an ugly customer observed mrs toppin this maria is a particularly ugly customer said saint cecilia she dates from the middle ages and ought to be used for firewood you are put into little cupboards so small you can't sit down and you can't stand up there's no air and she jolts you so it makes most people sick before they get to the journey's end she spoke as though describing the pleasant vicissitudes of a picnic but mary noting the eager attention of her two friends said well i must say the prospect is not encouraging we want our spirits kept up you know as well as our bodies oh but nobody minds black maria or anything else when it's for the cause replied the girl in her bracing tones she turned to jenny i'm sure you're neither of you to be daunted by black maria or anybody else jenny laughed nay we're not made so soft as that in lancashire we should be poor specimens to come out and fight for the vote eh miss toppin that's so agreed her friend i ope they'll let us two stick together she asked linking her arm in jenny's policeman d e f turned sharply and descended from his olympian heights fine idea oh yes we'll see you have a private suite of apartments 
sitting in bathroom with hot water turned on for you two ladies his witticisms were received in silence however by his audience none were inclined for joking just now there was a tension a feeling of uncertainty and presentiment which cast its shadow over even jenny's sunny spirit you may possibly have adjoining cells said saint cecilia you can call out sometimes to each other when the wardresses are at dinner but there's no denying that solitude is the worst part of prison life not a soul to speak to and no books or papers to give you any news from outside but you do just catch sight of your friends at chapel every morning and at exercise when you walk round the yard and that is a blessing the thought of which keeps one going all the twenty-four hours but lor what a dull life mrs toppin could not refrain from remarking well one could get a word or two in at chapel or exercise maybe don't you try it missus said a b c ninety three in fatherly tones no agreed the young suffragette the wardresses are very stern about that they stop you going out of your cell for two or three days and you may be put in a punishment cell if you are not careful don't try that it isn't worth it did you try it asked jenny eagerly well yes i did confessed saint cecilia but in my case it was different i knew i'd be punished but it was worth while i wanted to know how my father was and suddenly one day at exercise when i had been in prison ten days and pining for news of him who should i see walking round and round the yard with the rest of us in prison cap and dress but my dear old nurse she had actually gone out with the suffragettes of whom she then strongly disapproved though she is with us now heart and soul and got herself arrested in order to be in prison with me well i never she must be a game old girl that and observed mrs toppin with a hearty approval i reckon she's pretty fond of you added jenny with her good smile minds me o my mother kind of thing she'd be doing if i got nabbed remarked a b c ninety three for the moment clean forgetting he belonged to the police force well you may be sure i was going to speak to her if they chopped off my head for it continued saint cecilia and metaphorically they did i was kept in my cell three awful solitary days but on the whole we managed to take life pretty cheerfully even in prison you see we're such a big family party all pulling together most of us young and strong and just full of a sort of glorious enthusiasm and hope that's it we're bound to win said mary o'neill ay that we are jenny turned to her policeman now don't you think we will well i'm coming to think as you will and hope as you will too there now miss he answered handsomely shake hands officer cried saint cecilia with enthusiasm it heartens one up to hear a man say that and especially a policeman now you get a number of your mates to come over to us too will you ah uh, that's another matter miss and mind you come what may i've got to do my duty she had recalled him to his sense of office and the man had vanished into the representative of law and order toppin and clegg called the summonsing voice here you are quick march and policeman d e f tapped mrs toppin unceremoniously on the shoulder well good-bye good luck we'll meet again before long said saint cecilia as jenny and mrs toppin disappeared into the court she and mary exchanged some friendly remarks in which mary learnt that saint cecilia was a widow with three little boys to bring up on two hundred a year 
which she earned by giving singing lessons, many of these she had lost owing to the part she had taken in the women's movement. They were joined by one of the leaders of the WSPU, and St. Cecilia began at once telling her about Jenny. "'Did you notice that girl?' she asked. "'Do you know she has actually converted her policeman?' "'Well done,' said the older woman with a glad smile. "'Yes, I did notice that girl. She was converting somebody yesterday, I can't remember who.' "'And you, Miss O'Neill, say she converted you? "'We shall have plenty of use for such a girl as that when she comes out. "'Mustn't let her go back to the mill. "'We need that kind up here. "'They are worth their weight in gold to us. "'She shall speak at the Albert Hall meeting in October "'and do some more converting.' "'Thus did the little North Country stream "'find itself merged in the waters of the great river "'and swept along towards the ocean.' End of Scene 4 Recorded by Lisa Reigert.